You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. All right, good morning. How are you? Yeah, you loving this weather? Huh? Huh? I leave for Texas tomorrow. Yes. Um... Hey, listen, if you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Before we get going, though, there are some things that I want to to let you know about. Um, A lot of times, listen, I'm I'm a new parent. I say that. I've I've been a parent now for about two and a half years. When I come across things that I think are extremely helpful, I want to let you know about those things. If you're a grandparent, this, this may be helpful for you, too. We've come across this. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a Bible app for kids. Uh, my daughter, who's almost three, loves this thing. Uh, I downloaded it, started looking around it, wanted to see if it, was, if it was good or not. This thing's totally interactive. You go to creation, it starts walking you through the story of creation. You click on the dolphin, it jumps. You click on the coconut trees, it throws coconuts into the... I mean, so for my daughter at three, I love it. My daughter wakes up in the morning, we watch our curious George. We get a little milk with, stu- with uh, chocolate milk, and, and then she's like, hey, Daddy, I want Jesus. I'm like, hey, that's great. So we get the app out, and we, we look at that, and... And I want my daughter catching these. So if you're, if you're a parent and you have some young kids, if you're a grandparent and you hang out with your grandkids, you need to get this thing. At the very end, it has a gospel presentation that's totally interactive. Because um, kids are sponges, all right? I mean, they're, they're soaking up things. Culture's preaching things at them. So you know what? As parents, as grandparents, as the church, we need to be preaching things to them. I know that's true because, um, and I know my daughter's watching us. We were, we were driving out of Sandy the other day and I got... Um, I, I pray for me. I struggle with road rage, and um, I got stuck behind this like really slow van. At, I mean, the light turned green, the van didn't move, and I said, "Van, let's move it." And out of the back seat, my two-year-old says, "What's the deal? Oh my gosh!" And I'm like, I looked at my wife and was like, "Where did she?" And my wife just kind of looked at me like, "Your fault." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, so." So listen, kids are they they absorb things, all right? They're getting things. So you want your kids in the in, in the Bible, all right? Here's another resource that, that I want to make sure you have in your, in your hands. At the bottom of the outline there, this morning we're going to be talking about pornography. Um, so at the bottom of your outline there, there's some, several things that, that, that are there. Um, the first one, the first book on there, How and When to Tell Your Kids About Sex, a lifelong approach um, to shaping your child's sexual character. Listen, if you're a parent in here and, and your kid is, is under the age of um, 18, you need to get this book. Um, it's going to help you. Listen, the, the sex conversation with my dad was just awkward. All right, it's awkward for most parents that walk in. Um, and most parents, they have you sit down and say, hey, listen, don't have sex before marriage. And they walk out. It's like, I'm glad we had this conversation. It's kind of, listen, it's not a talk. There's like 50 million talks that you need to have your kids between the ages of like three and 18. Um, if that's awkward for you, you don't really, it's, it's, I'm not there yet. I'm assuming it might be a little awkward for to sit down with my three-year-old or whatever and start having appropriate, age-appropriate conversations with them. If you wonder what that looks like, um, get, that, get that book. It's been uh, very helpful. I've talked with some, some guys who are dads that are a little further down the road than me, um, and they've used this book, and it, it comes highly recommended. So um, stick that in your back pocket if you're a parent or a grandparent in here and, and use that. And you know what? If you're a parent in here and you didn't have those conversations with your kid before they were 18, hey, it's not too late. Um, mechanics don't probably need to be discussed, but values, you know, why we live the way that we do, those, those conversations are always, um, I think are always, always good when you can have them with your kids. So, so listen, we're, uh, we're going to be talking about pornography this morning. If you don't struggle with pornography, let me, t- let, me, let, let me make a plea to you of why you should listen. Um, you should listen because more than likely there is someone connected to you in your life that does or has or will. And so my hope this morning is to kind of also give you some, some tools to be able to engage with other people that may be wrestling with pornography inside of Scripture, inside of the church. We're called to carry one another's burdens. That, that's something we're going to look at. So listen, although pornography may not be your particular sin of choice, you may know someone who struggles with this. And I want to kind of give you some tools to, to, to maybe help and have some conversations with them. But also, maybe pornography isn't the sin that you're wrestling with, but there's some other sin in your life that, that you're wrestling with. And I still think some of the principles we're going to talk about this morning will, will apply to you. So if you're, 
not struggling with pornography, don't check out. Okay, don't check out. Track with me here. Um, and because uh, th- it's prevalent within the church. Let me give you a few reasons why we're going there this morning. All right, if you're new and you haven't been here for the last 12 weeks, we have been in a series on the modern family, um, talking about what, what are problems that families have, what are problems that singles have, what about um, parents and children. I mean, we've been walking through all of these things, so this morning we get to pornography, and let me give you three quick reasons why. One is because um, the Bible celebrates the gift of sex, Okay? Inside of scripture and therefore inside of the church, sex is this amazing, great, awesome gift that God gave to the church. And inside of scripture, the Bible celebrates the gift of sex, but yet it also warns against the abuse of sex. So we're going to talk about pornography this morning because the Bible talks about the abuse of sex and warns against it. So where the Bible talks about about things as the church and as pastors and elders and leadership here we want to be talking about those things as well so we're going to talk about pornography this morning because because the bible does it talks about the abuse of of the good gifts that god god gives we also need to talk about pornography this morning because it is a major problem inside of culture over 90 billion dollars last year worldwide was spent on on, on pornography in America in America we spent more on pornography last year inside of America than we did on foreign aid to other countries so pornography is a major issue inside of our culture right now and it's a major issue that's beginning or not even beginning has already infiltrated the church. It's a huge issue. But thirdly, um, and, and so we need to know as a church, how do we talk about it? How do we engage with people that are wrestling? How do, we, how do we tell people, man, you're wrong, but you're loved? Like, how do we stand there and, and, and say that? Um, so, so I want to try to equip us this morning to do that. But finally, I, I just want to tell you that another reason we need to talk about pornography this morning is just because, um, Dude, it, it's, it is killing marriages and it's killing healthy relationships in our lives. There is perhaps few things in my life I've seen as devastating as a husband who has sat down with his wife to confess to her that he's been looking at pornography. A lot of times the, the shame and guilt that they feel and feeling like they're, they're trapped, but then in the, the eyes of their wife, the betrayal and the, and the hurt that they feel that my husband, whom I love, has been, um, has, has been viewing. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's wrecking marriages. It's causing a lot of problems, but it's also, listen, it's destroying our ability to have deep, intimate relationships. There is studies that are coming out now um, um, now saying that, that pornography for the average it is rewiring the neurological pathways in our brains now I mean, and now even secular scientists are beginning to be alarmed about what pornography is doing because it accesses and stimulates the same parts of the brain that cocaine and heroin do so pornography, when you talk about guys or, or, or women who are addicted to pornography, it's legitimate because pornography does the same kind of things that cocaine and heroin do to the brain and literally charts different pathways inside of the brain. And like narcotics, a certain amount that used to get you that high won't anymore, so you have to consume more. So with pornography, what you used to do doesn't work anymore, so more deviant, violent, and greater quantities of it must be consumed in order to do what it used to do. And, and they're saying now, because of pornography, um, we are finding it harder and harder to even connect with people honestly and intimately. It's becoming impossible because of what pornography has done. And listen, it's important because the average exposure to pornography now is age 11. At 11 years old is the average time, which means some, for some in here, it, it's happening younger than that. 
But the average exposure to pornography is age 11. The average age that someone is getting married, if you're a man in here, is 26. If you're a woman, is 28. Can you imagine what 15 years of looking at pornography will do to you before you ever even get married? It is destroying marriages, and it's destroying even our ability before marriage to have meaningful relationships. Listen, pornography is a huge it's a huge issue. But let me, let me try to define what I'm talking about, though, when we talk about pornography. Right? What do I mean when I say pornography? Because there's some images that a lot of times when we talk about uh, pornography, we think about maybe some guy sitting in the dark at the computer just looking at things that he shouldn't be, that he shouldn't be viewing. Um, that it's, a, it's a male problem on a computer screen or maybe it's it's a street corner where there's a bunch of strip clubs um or or there's prostitutes that hang out like like this is pornography it's a guy problem that's usually done in secret that that abuses women there's a couple of uh, shifts that have happened though a couple of years ago there was a movie uh called magic mike that came out um, kind of these strip, uh, these cha- uh, Channing Tatum was the, the lead star, stripping, that kind of stuff. More recently, there's been this book, Fifty Shades of Grey, that's come out. This has caused an entire new category of porn to be, to be categorized called mommy porn, is what they call this. One out of every three porn users is women. And, and this book, Fifty Shades of Grey, along with movies like Magic Mike, this is actually becoming a movie. Listen, this is just as much pornography as some guy sitting in front of a computer in his basement. Some of the romance novels that are on the shelf that elicit inside of women who are, I don't know a lot of guys that read romance novels, but I know a lot of women that read romance novels, and the, the sexual fantasies that they are meant to perpetuate in your mind, listen to me, is porn, because porn isn't just what you watch, it's also what you think, because God doesn't just see what you watch, God also sees what you think, right? So listen, all of these things are porn. It's not just a male problem. Like I said, one in three porn users are now women. All right, it's becoming even more prevalent inside of, inside of female culture. So, so listen, when I talk about porn, all right, when, when we talk about pornography this morning, here, here's, here's what I mean. Pornography is the abuse all right, it's the abuse of God's gift of sex. But not just the abuse of God's gift of sex, pornography is also the abuse of another human being. And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove that this morning from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Okay, where we are. Paul's, Paul's going to talk about this. Now listen, I don't think I have to spend a lot of time this morning, although we'll, we'll do that. Um, saying that porn is bad, stop it. Like, I, I think for the most part, as a church, we get, listen, it's not art. Okay, Michelangelo's David, all right, that's, that's art. Um, pornography, that's not art. Okay, it's exploitation, it's use, it's all these kind of things. And, and pornography is the abuse of God's gift of sex, this beautiful thing that God gave, and it's the abuse of another human being. And I'm, I'm going to prove that here from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this morning. Um, so let's, let's go. Let's go there. I want to give you from here first. Let me tell you where we're going. Two things. One, why should I fight pornography? Okay, that's great. But why should I care to get into the middle of the slide? Why should I? Listen, I'm alone, I'm alone at my house. I'm not, I'm not hurting anyone. Like no one knows about it. All right, listen, you are. You are hurting people. There are other things that are going on. So I want to talk about why we fight this, but then I, I want to talk with, like, how. How do I engage with, with um, how do I help myself fight against this thing called pornography? So First Thessalonians chapter 4, let's read verses 1 through 8 together. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. So, so Paul's saying here, we've been instructing you, I'm going to give you some more instructions about how to live so that God is pleased with the way you're living. God's pleased with the way that you're living. 
Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, in this matter of, of, of sanctification, sexual purity, in this matter, that no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. For the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being. Listen, what I'm about to tell you this morning isn't Billy Cash's version of how to live life, be successful, and win friends. Like, listen, what we're going to talk about this morning, get this, connect dots here. What we're going to talk about this morning isn't coming from some man. What Paul's saying here is not coming from some human being, but it's coming from God. The very God who gives you the Holy Spirit. All right? So inside of this passage, I think Paul lays out four, four reasons why we should fight pornography. And let me give you the first one here. It's God's will. It's what God wants for you. He starts out here in verse 3. For it is God's will that you should be sanctified. All, all, all that word sanctification means is this, that you become more and more like Jesus. You say things that Jesus would want you to say, that you think things that Jesus would want you to think, that you live and act in ways that Jesus would want you to live and act, that more and more, in greater and greater degrees, you are becoming like Jesus. Right? If you've been walking with Jesus for years, your life should look differently than it did 10 years ago. There should be some areas in your life where, listen, you've grown, you've matured, you look more like Jesus. Maybe not every area, maybe there's some areas you're still working on, but it is God's will that you be sanctified, that you look more like Jesus. And the very first place that he addresses sanctification happening is this, that you should avoid sexual immorality. So, so Paul says here, one of the very first places that he mentions where sanctification begins to happen and I begin to look more like Jesus is in my sexuality. So when God says, sex is this awesome gift, save it for a committed covenant marriage relationship between one man and one woman. That means Anything outside of that is sin and against God's design and hope for you. So you're, you're dating someone who is not your wife and you're sleeping together, right? That is not the sanctification that God's talking about here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, that he's commanded of you. If you're looking at pornography, sexual immorality here is that word porneia, J and Gary have both talked about this. It's a broad term that covers a lot of things. You're looking at pornography, you're going to strip clubs. You are consuming romance novels, all right? You are consuming media, any type of media that you know is pornographic in nature. The first thing that Paul says here is, listen, we, we fight against pornography because it's God's will that we be sanctified. And one of the places that God is sanctifying in us is our sexuality, if you know Jesus, if you claim to know Jesus and walk with him, your sexuality is stewarded by what he wants and what he desires. And it's not just that, but it's you steward it that way. Why? Because you know that God's way is best. It is your pleasure to do his will. Now listen. In my life and your life, that may not always be the case. Well, it's, honestly, it's my pleasure not to do God's will here. 
I really would rather do something. So, so what do I do then if it's not my pleasure? What, if, what do I do if I don't delight in God's will? All right, that's a great question. Let me ask you two questions, okay? My two questions to you would be, well, why don't I delight doing God's will? Would be, what lie are you believing? Because there's something going on there. You think, man, I know God's smart. I know he made me. I know he saved me. But I think my way is better than his. So what lie are you believing? Or what idol of sin have you embraced? So that when the king of kings declares what is good for you, you refuse to walk in repentance and obedience to him. Listen, our obedience is usually couched in some lie or some idol that we don't want to let go of. But Paul says here, listen, you fight pornography because it's God's will that you be sanctified. And one of the first places that God is sanctifying is your sexuality. Okay? All right, here's the second thing that he says. Not only because it's God's will, but he says, listen, we fight pornography because it's honorable and it's holy. Listen, when God calls you to salvation, he doesn't just just pay the debt of your sin and set you free. He then calls you and begins to make you holy. And so he says, listen, it is holy and it's the holy and it's the honorable thing to do to fight pornography and to, to govern your passions. Listen, honor your wife. It is dishonoring to your wife to be married to her, to have committed yourself in faithfulness to her, and then to be unfaithful with a computer screen. If you're married, listen, honor your husband. You are not honoring your husband when you've committed to be faithful with him, but you fantasize more about men in movies or books than you do your husband. So he says, listen, we fight because it's, it's a holy and it's an honorable thing to do. You're not honoring another person or placing their needs above yours when you merely use them. And all pornography is ultimately driven by selfish sexual desire. So he says, listen, it's not holy and it's not honorable. You don't honor someone when you abuse them. You don't honor someone when you care nothing about their soul but only want to manipulate them or use them as some kind of commodity. So, so, so here's, here's the third thing. He says, listen, we fight, we fight um, also because it's loving. It's loving. Paul, Paul's gonna go on in verse six and say this. That in this matter, in this matter of sexual purity, okay, that no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. Listen, pornography harms people. The collateral damage that you're doing either to yourself or to your spouse, perhaps to your children one day, all right, you don't get to escape that. And when we sin sexually, right, when we sin in this area of pornography, listen, you're, you're not being motivated by love when you use porn. When you take advantage or you wrong someone, the motivating factor there is not love. When you're looking at a, at, at a woman or a man on a computer screen or fantasizing in your head about a man or a woman who is not your wife yet, listen, you're not, in that moment, in that moment, thoughts like, I wonder where they stand with the Lord. I wonder if they died tonight, where they would, that's not going through your head, right? When you're looking at someone in porn at a strip club, you're not thinking, man, this person is an image bearer of God, full of dignity and worth and honor. And listen, that's not going through your head, there's a lot of things going through your head. That's not one of them. All right? Listen, and we're called, remember, sancti sanctified, we're called to sanctification. We're called to be like Jesus. Listen, Jesus did not walk around manipulating and abusing the women in his life. Jesus says in Mark, he says, listen, I didn't come to be served, but I came 
to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many, which means if I'm gonna engage with pornography, listen, I don't become one of the abusers in it. I become someone who's gonna love like Jesus and pray and serve and try to help people get out of this kind of life. There's a guy here in Portland who was so struck by the, by the child trafficking industry inside of Portland. Per capita, the city of Portland has more porn than any other city in the United States. Per capita, per capita. And he got here and he heard this, so he started a ministry called Epic Ministries. And the whole goal was, says, man, there's so many men out there that are abusers of women inside of this industry. What would happen if 100,000 men within the church stood up and said, listen, not all men want to abuse you. Not all men want to take advantage of you. There are men that are alive that do exist that want to treat you with honor and respect and integrity. And he's challenging men inside of churches to stand up and begin to, begin to help out ministries that are pulling women and men out of this industry. And he's saying, you know what? Instead of being an abuser and using your $13 a month for a subscription to some magazine or some porn site, why don't you take that 13 bucks a month and leverage towards this ministry that's helping women get out of this? It's helping men get out of this. It's helping men with addictions to overcome this. It's helping women with addictions to overcome this. Why not, instead of being an abuser and a user, be someone who's motivated by love and is bringing about redemption and healing? Listen, we, we fight pornography because it's a loving thing to do. It's loving to those that are in it, it's loving to my spouse, it's loving to my children for me to fight this. And then here's, here's the last reason that, that Paul gives. Not only is it God's will, is it honorable and holy, is it loving God? Paul says this. He always ends on a bright note. Um, Paul. <clears throat> so Paul writes, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. For the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and we warned you. The discipline and the wrath of God here is meant to shake people out of their slumber against this is meant to wake them up to the knowledge that this isn't just a problem they have alone by themselves that isn't affecting anyone. You know what? No one may know about your issue, but God does. God does. And if you're a believer in here, all right, if you're a Christian in here, then what this means is that if you do this, if you engage in these kinds of things, that you will eventually meet with the discipline of the Father in your life. And listen to me, listen to me. One of the greatest things for some of you this morning will be that you get straight up busted in your sin. And it won't feel like it, but that will be a great mercy of God in your life to drag the cancer of this out into the light to get some people around you to help you fight. And listen, if you don't know Jesus this morning, he offers himself and says, listen, come on, don't run from me. All right, run to me. But if you continually reject him and continue to use his creation then for the unbeliever it says one day the wrath of God like a mountain will fall on you and it will crush you and this warning is meant to make make people hear this sober minded they get shaken out of their complacency with their fight against pornography so listen, these are reasons that Paul gives why. Why? So how? Okay, I gotta go quick. This how was supposed to be the bulk of my sermon. That's my introduction, so here we go. 
<clears throat> Listen, how do I fight this thing? Well, here's the first thing that, that I'm going to say. You need to come to Jesus. This, this is what Paul writes. It's God's will that you be sanctified, avoid sexual immorality, learn to control your own body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who what? Who do not know God. He's saying here, listen, if you don't know God, you will never be able to control the passionate lust that runs around in you, right? And one of the marks of someone who does not know God is that they don't keep sinful lust and these kind of things in check. If you want freedom, if you're going to fight this thing, here's the first thing that I would say. Run to Jesus, Listen, when our sin begins to be exposed, one of the first things we want to do is run and hide, all right? We are Adam and Eve's children. That's the first thing they did in the garden when God comes walking in and their sin is, and they're being exposed. And a lot of times when our sin gets exposed, one of the first things we want to do is run away and hide. But the scripture, God's saying, listen, run to me. Come here, let's talk about this. Let's, let's work this thing out. Listen, am I angry? Yes. Do I love you? Yes. Will I walk with you through this? Yes. Will I help you to a place of freedom and victory in this? Yes, but I can't do it if you run and hide from me. Run to me. Know Jesus and know him well. You, listen to me, you, by yourself, and in your own power, will never be able to conquer the sin that masters you. Apart from Jesus, you will never conquer the sin that masters you. You may get a handle on one area and just swap it out for another one. You need a savior. You need Jesus. And this morning, friend, listen to me. If you don't know Christ, Jesus is ready to talk with you, to meet you, to save you, to redeem you, to give you life and hope. Don't turn away from that, friend. He is merciful and gracious and loving. He came to heal and save Sinners, And one of the first things you have to do is admit that that's where you are. All right, so, so we fight by, by knowing God. Here's the second thing. Confession. Man, this one's hard. This one's hard. Um, look here in Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. This isn't a command in Proverbs. This is a promise given. If you want to conceal your stuff and kind of go into the dark and hide, your sin is going to own you until the day that you die. If you want to begin to find mercy and some healing, you got to bring that stuff out and you got to begin to confess it. And you might be saying, all right, well, listen, I'm the only one that knows about it, so the confession is going to be, um, I'll just confess to myself and I'll confess to God. All right, so, so God will know, and I will know, and that's as far as it needs to go. No one else has to know anything about it. I'm just going to keep this thing. And Listen, I, already, I know already right now some of you are beginning to like, inside of you, you're starting to squirm. Listen, is that what it is? Look at what he says. He, the New Testament comes around in James 15. And listen to what James says. Therefore, confess your sins, what? To each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Listen, he says, listen, you confess to others. Why? Because you need people around you that can help you walk through this, that can pray for you. And, and man, as we do this thing inside of community, we can find some healing from this. Can we be honest this morning and admit that our desire not to confess our sin here 
has more to do with thus wanting to save face and look good in front of people than it really has to do with us being real with others. The majority of the time, the reason we don't want to confess is not because of the collateral damage that this confession may do. It's because we have such a high view of ourselves, we've painted the face up so well that we don't want anyone to know what's underneath it. You know what that's called in Scripture? Pride. And you know what James 4 says God does with the prideful? says that God opposes them. Listen. God has given um, confession and community as a means for us to drag things out and and get help. And it it coincides with this thing right here. Here, Here's the third thing, all right? Accountability. When I begin to, to confess then it brings this thing called accountability into my life. Um, In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, this is what Paul writes. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's Burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So, part of the way that I love other people is I, I help carry their burdens with them. And if they're caught in sin, then those of us that love Jesus and love these individuals come around them and help restore them. We bring accountability to bear in their life. Now, now, now mark something he says here, because this is what a lot of accountability is. Or this has been my experience with a lot of accountability. It's a, it's a group of men or women, mostly who are my age, who are about the same level of maturity as me and who are all struggling with the same thing as me, right? So what the accountability group kind of devolves into is, is Jane and Brenda and, and um, uh, Barbara hanging around and Jane saying, hey man, I really struggled with this this week. And the other two saying, hey, it's, it's okay. We'll pray for you. And, and Barbara saying, hey, I, I struggled with this this week too. Um, still really, hey, man, let's pray for you. Let's do this. And, and, and the third, third person in the group saying, hey man, I'm praying for you guys. I, I really struggled with it this week too. And, and, and accountability comes just more of like a confession party um, that you that you confess, you pray, and you leave. But listen to what he says here. You who live by the Spirit should restore the person gently. When you come into accountability with some sin that's owning you, you need to find someone who is living by the Spirit, perhaps who is on the other side of that thing, who has some wisdom in dealing with that thing, who is living by the Spirit in the midst of that thing that can help you. Like if my leg was shot off I wouldn't find someone else whose leg was shot off so we could wander around together and find more people whose legs are shot off to try to fix me. I would go to someone who maybe had their legs shot off, had it back on and said, hey, where did you go? What did you do? What doctor did you see? How did you get there? Who drove you? Who? And I'd begin to ask questions from someone who's on the other side of this, who has some victory in this area and who's living, who's living life there. You who live by the Spirit should restore this person in that. You need people in your life that can love you and begin to hold you accountable. People in your life who maybe have struggled with the thing you're struggling with who can say, hey, listen, man, I was there. And I feel like, although not perfect, I'm down the road a little further than you. Let's talk about this. How do we get there? You you fight addictions to pornography by right kind of accountability in your life. All right, here's the next thing. Let's get through these quick. Take radical measures. Take radical measures. Jesus is going to say this in Matthew 5. You've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery, but I tell you that if anyone looks at a woman lustfully, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus is moving just from like outward actions, and he's moving to, to inward intentions of your heart. 
she might be like, well, I didn't sleep with her. Like, okay, well, if you looked lustfully at this woman inside of your heart, you've already been unfaithful. He raises the standard. It's a serious standard that he's saying. It's not just about outward actions. It's the intentions of your heart. So this, he has a serious standard, but then, then he, he goes on to this, um, this serious strategy. I would call this a serious strategy, all right? If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. That's serious to me. Okay, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now listen, is Jesus literally saying here, if you can't control your eyes, gouge them out, or if you can't control your, your hands, cut them? All right, no, because even if you don't have eyes, you can still lust, right? Like even if you don't have hands, you can still lust in your heart for things. Jesus isn't saying literally go out, gouge your eye, cut off your hand. Jesus is saying, listen, take drastic measures to kill your sin. Do whatever you have to do to put it to death. So listen, if you can't drive to work because every day you drive to work, you pass by a sex shop and you stop in and look, maybe you need to carpool for a while and give someone your keys. Listen, if, if, if your library at home is full of erotic magazines or novels, maybe you need to talk to someone and say, listen, I need you to come in. I've got to be honest here. I need some accountability. I need you to take all of these things. Help me get all of these things out of my home and get them thrown away. They, they don't need to be here. If you struggle with the computer. Listen, you need to have some accountability software on your computer. Triple X Church, Covenant Eyes are two accountability softwares that are out there that monitor your internet activity and send reports to your accountability partners and let them know what you've been looking at. And listen, oh, please listen. If you're a parent in here, please listen to me. Your child's phone is a computer. Anything that your child can look up on the computer in your home, your child can look up on his phone. There is a massive amount of pornography via the internet that is consumed on the phone. So, let me tell you what I did. I went to my wife three, four years ago. Went to my wife and said, baby, we just got new iPhones. Here's what I want you to do. Would you go into the app setting? Would you take off the internet? Would you take off YouTube? Would you, would you take those things off? And, and baby, you have the code. Punch in a code. No, don't tell me. So my wife, who's helping, helping me live pure in this area, says, yeah, man, she, she takes off Safari. She takes off YouTube. She takes off everything. Lock, locks gives, gives me my phone back. Listen, I don't have to have that. If I need to know the score of how bad the Cowboys beat the Seahawks, listen, I just go. Sorry, I had to throw. I'm, never mind. Um, I just go to a Sports Center app and pull it up. If I need to know what the weather's really going to be like, I just go to the Weather Channel app, pull it up. I need to know how to create something, I just go to Pinterest app, pull it up. Listen, there's an app for everything. I don't have to have the internet on my phone for it to be useful. Listen, parents, you need to help your kids here. Have the computer in, in, in a public place like the living room with the screen facing outward. Not, not being proactive with your children here is like giving them a loaded gun and not telling them how to use it. The, the consequences can be devastating. But Jesus' point here is, listen, there's a serious standard, there's serious stakes, life and death here. It calls for some serious strategies, some serious measures to, like, to fight here. And if there's something inside of you when you hear this that 
pushes back and says, no, not gonna do it, not gonna do it. Let me ask you a question. Why? Like if you're struggling with an area and this will help you live how you really wanna live in, in a state of holiness, why would you not do it? Why, why would you not steer into that? Maybe, maybe for you, a radical measure, we do something here at the church called Celebrate Recovery. And there's all different things in, 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 inside of Celebrate Recovery. And one of the things that Celebrate Recovery does is help women, uh, men and women who have pornography addictions get the help they need to, to come out of that. Maybe for you, you need to get plugged in to Celebrate Recovery and begin to find some healing and some hope there. All right, listen, here's the last thing. Here's the last thing, how to fight porn. Know God, confess, accountable, take some radical measures, and here's the last thing. Cultivate for the rest of your life a greater pleasure in Jesus. Listen, how... How are you going to fight the sinful pleasure of pornography? I I know we've talked about some things here, but listen to me. At the end of the day, rules will not change your heart. Rules help you live the way your heart already wants to live. Right? So don't think rules are going to change my heart. No, Jesus changes your heart and the rules can be tools that God uses to help you get there. If you want to fight the fleeting, sinful pleasure of porn, you have to fight it with a greater pleasure in Jesus. You get to the point where Jesus becomes better than sin. He's better. I want him more. So the goal then isn't necessarily killing porn. The goal is worshiping and loving Jesus and that is killing porn in me. Love Christ for the rest of your life. Listen, this doesn't happen overnight. This is like daily, daily sanctification. A little, man, I love Jesus more this year than I did last year. I love Jesus better in this area, but not the way I want to. I'm not totally free yet, but man, the more that I fall in love with him and know him and see him as the treasure that he is, more and more and more, that sin's lure and appeal to me is going away. And Jesus does that for his children. Jesus will help you fight for freedom here. He does not leave you by yourself. He does not leave you on, uh, on your own. He says, listen, without me, you won't make any progress here. You want real, genuine, freeing, life-giving progress? You come to me, and by the power of my spirit, I will work things in you as you work out your salvation. So listen, as the worship team comes back up, as the worship team comes back up and we get, we get ready to, to sing here, maybe this morning for you, um, listen, maybe for you, 11.30 last night, you're surfing on the internet looking at porn. Maybe already the trailers for Fifty Shades of Grey are coming out and you're calling all your girlfriends and talking about, hey, are we going to do the midnight show in? Are we going to go? And Maybe you're there right now. And, and maybe for you this morning, it's being honest with where you are and admitting, I need help here. I need help Come, come talk with me, please. You won't, you won't be the first person this morning. There's already been several. Listen, you're not alone here. You don't have to be alone. Come, t- come talk with one of our pastors. Maybe you need to commit to getting connected to Celebrate Recovery. Listen, maybe there are some men in here who need to have some conversations with their wives. 
about some things that they've been hiding so that through that conversation, the hope is that God would bring restoration and there'd be an open, honest relationship between a man and his wife. Listen, ladies, what do you do if this afternoon your husband says, hey, there's some things I need to confess? Listen, you don't ignore it. You don't ignore it. You don't just say, oh, well, well don't, don't worry about it. It'll get better. You, you'll, you'll figure it out. Listen, don't ignore it. Don't, don't go ballistic and go run, grab a knife or a gun. Or, I mean, don't, don't do that either. All right, listen. If your husband comes to you this afternoon and, and the Spirit of God has worked on him this morning and he says, baby, there's some things that we need to talk about. You weep you mourn you worship that God worked in your husband's life and he walked in obedience you get angry and, and you you find some help you make a call you set up a meeting to meet with Jerry Smith with Gary Bashirs, with Jay Messenger with me and you sit down and you get help God is greater than your sin. God can bring healing and restoration. This morning, I don't know where you are, but maybe, maybe this morning's the morning you quit running from him and you start running to him to find healing. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your heart in this. And God, would you, um, God, bring healing here. Help us be honest. Help us to drag these things into the light. And God, as hard as this road may be, God, I, I know what I'm, I'm asking people to do, what you're asking people to do this morning. It's not easy. Like in, like in Matthew chapter 5, listen, gouging out an eye, cutting amputations never easy. You only do it when it's necessary to have life. So God, although it's hard, I pray for courage this morning for some people to take some steps they need to, to take. God, I thank you because I know there are men and women inside of this room whom you have delivered from this and they are stories of hope and redemption. God, would you meet us where we are and would you, would you work in this place? Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.